Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that's better than a $2,000 stimulus check. Today we have Bianca, Julia, Helen, Hope, and Laura. Okay, so today we wanted to talk about the recent stimulus package that was passed and also just the horrible maze of events that were connected to it, the ups and downs of that whole process, the things that are included in that relief package that are good and bad, mostly bad, mostly could be better. Um, Just Mostly just like literally mind-blowing, like what the fuck are we- Like what is happening? Like what is happening? yeah. Uh, So hopefully to provide a little bit of clarification on that, we kind of wanted to start off by giving just a brief synopsis of the progress of that stimulus package, um, just for people who haven't been following the trajectory of that bill, which is completely understandable because it was an extremely convoluted and needlessly complicated process. Uh, So this coronavirus relief bill extends and modifies the CARES Act, which was passed in March. Uh, That was the first coronavirus relief bill. And that bill contained a lot of different measures, but probably the most familiar provisions in it were the $1,200 stimulus check that some of us received in the spring, as well as the additional $600 a week in unemployment insurance um, that expired in, I believe, the end of July. Uh, That was also included in that. So this new bill that was recently passed apportions about $900 billion in funding. And so the two things that are probably most relevant in that bill to what we're discussing today are one, the sections about unemployment insurance. Um, The benefits that used to be there expired on December 26th. And so the benefits uh, in that bill were extended by another 11 weeks. And so we're gonna get into more detail about all of those UI benefits later. But the second thing that the bill contains that we wanted to spend the most time discussing today is the stimulus checks. And so I think maybe maybe this was just me, but I think there was like little hope in that that many people's minds that we were going to get any sort of regular stimulus, like a check every month or something, even though that obviously would have been like a much better solution. But at least I was not very optimistic that that was ever going to happen. And so the question for me and maybe a lot of other people became... Uh, how much money were we going to get from this one-time stimulus check? Um, And so throughout the past month, a lot of Congress people were campaigning for a $2,000 check uh, up from $600, which was the original provision in the bill. And then in like a very wild turn of events, Donald Trump was also advocating for a $2,000 check. Uh, And that caused kind of a mess within Congress because obviously a $2,000 check would be better in every respect. But the House and Senate had already reached an agreement on the terms of this $900 billion bill. Um, And changing the stimulus to $2,000 from $600 meant that that bill would have had to go back to both the House and Senate. And people were really like desperate to get this bill passed quickly. Um, So among this uh, series of events, a handful of people, including Senator Bernie Sanders, were trying to force a Senator Bernard. Bernard Sanders, (laughs) we're trying to force a vote on this $2,000 stimulus check as well, uh, which unfortunately didn't work, but did, if literally nothing else, give us Bernie Sanders using several blown up checks 
and a huge poster of Donald Trump's uh, 2000 checks tweet during his filibuster, which were good images. <laughs> but that that also meant that there were so many articles with these totally disingenuous headlines like Sanders supports Trump on stimulus that tried to tie like Bernie and Trump together. Um, and it was like, yeah, they did agree on this one issue. Um, it was just funny to see the liberal media push the like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Are they really that different narrative like one more time after the election? Yeah, I thought that was really stupid. I think like, well, I was also reading articles about like why the bill ended up getting passed with a $600 stimulus check and not the 2001. And there was like talk in that like White House advisors didn't want the package to go over a trillion dollars. Which like who ca- like who it cares? It literally um, makes zero sense. Like who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but a two thousand dollars stimulus check would have made the bill go over t- uh, a trillion dollars. So they were ultimately like no, and so that's why the president ended up signing the bill with the six hundred dollar stimulus measure. Ugh. Yeah, I was yeah. reading this article recently about how the Defense Department has literally spent a trillion dollars on just like this one plane that like actually might not <laughs> even end up working the way they want it to. So it's just like, yeah, what? Fuck That's off. such an arbitrary like, yeah. standard. Yeah. yeah. I, I also just want to say um, that my brother's girlfriend registered with her local pound preparing to adopt a cat. But she said she was only going to do it if she got the 2000 Trump bucks. Um, and I just want to give a little shout out to Mitch McConnell, enemy of the pod, yep. uh, because my brother's <laughs> girlfriend isn't getting a cat now. And I just hope he's happy with himself because a lot of people are losing out here. Um, and that specifically, I mean, my brother's girlfriend, the cat she would have adopted and me, <laughs> the person who would have gotten that cat. So we're all really upset about the situation. Clearly. Along the same lines, I had planned to get a Peloton if I got a $2,000 check, um, but now I'm just here eating tacos. Like, literally, I'm eating tacos right now, so I think I can blame the government for that. Are the tacos good, at least? They're they're really good, and they're like $1.25 a piece, so I can afford that with this stimulus package. Yeah. That was Hell yeah! <laughs> also, I just gotta say, Kellen, the timing of you talking about uh, pictures of your brother's girlfriend's cat happening right as Momo like goes in front of your screen was honestly priceless. <laughs> Momo actually supports this. Like no no competition for Momo. Really, exactly. Truly. Um. So, because of what like we're talking about i thought it would be good to reiterate some of the basics of modern monetary theory or mmt because as bianca said it doesn't fucking matter if the package goes over one trillion dollars um essentially the starting place for this theory is that government spending is truly limitless And the only limits that are actually placed on them are resources and assets, most of which don't come into play when we talk about government spending. Um, And I'll get into what I mean by that a little bit more in a second. If a nation prints their own currency and has their own national banks, um, which controls interest rates, and they don't sell debt in a foreign currency... They can never run out of money. So for the United States, there are literally no limits on how much they can spend on national interests. So anytime we hear a president or whoever leads a nation say, like, we're running out of money, that shit is bonkers and not at all true. 
Um, it should be noted that this is only for nations who have a sovereign currency. So in nations like Germany or Greece who surrendered their currency to the euro, that statement could actually be true. Um, but there's complications with that too. Like austerity measures in Greece are fucked up and like, you know, for another episode. Anyway, so this is called fiat currency or currency created by fiat or decree. Uh, the money is invented literally by the Federal Reserve, which means we can just make as much as we want. Inflation and the supply of money in the economy is one of the limits to us just printing trillions of dollars every day. To have more money circulating than there are goods or services to be bought means that we are looking at an oversupply of money and a rising of prices. This is inflation. So there need to be enough resources to meet the needs and wants of a society and enough labor to produce them. Otherwise, we're just putting money into an economy for no reason. Um, but again, pandemic is a reason. Um, and uh, as our unemployment rates continue to soar, it's just like, what the fuck are we talking about? So, uh, yes, um, budget the budget is a moral document, as, you know, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez has said, which was originally an MLK quote. Thank you, Bianca, for clarifying that. Um, modern monetary theory is a useful framework for thinking about socializing basic needs and for kneecapping the capitalist class one industry at a time where necessary. So what does that mean? Well, the way that our money has been created has been true for nearly a century, right? And yet we still have no universal health care and we're still talking about the solvency of Social Security. We still destroy entire generations with student debt. We still have almost no socialized housing and tons of houseless people. So despite money being endless and despite every official understanding that our currency works this way, we still have not spent our way out of homelessness or hunger or medically with insurance or debt because who is in charge of the of production, the budget and our government is a huge asterisk on this theory. A society still has to be productive. In other words, we still have to create goods and services for an economy or else we will be looking at massive inflation and economic collapse. Even if we understand this theory, we need to understand that taxing the rich and giving uh, money to the poor needs to be um, at the core of our understanding, we can't just understand that it's fine and good even for our government to spend money on the welfare of its peace people, but there also needs to be a component of equity in distribution. And I also just wanted to say that as a reminder, uh, when the U.S. has tried to balance its debt before, the result of that, um, you know, just to name one example, was the Great Depression. So sometimes when when we use this um, narrative of, like, getting rid of our national debt, that doesn't n actually equate to benefits for people who live in that country and historically in the United States has not. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so I guess next we wanted to talk about just, like, problems we see with this bill, its specific components, the way it traveled through Congress and how it made its way to the president's desk. Um, I think I remember just being, well, every day this, this like stimulus bill was trending on Twitter and I was like, oh, do I have to follow like this new twist and turn? It just got so tiring to even watch it happen. Where baseline, I was like, are we gonna get money or not? Like, that's really all I cared about. 
And I think the core of the problem for me boils down to like neither political party having working class interests at heart. It's just like, I don't know, like, like I, you could not really rely on any party or really any like group of people to look out for us, I think. Yeah, it's bonkers. Um, I totally agree with you that it just seems like the politicians are only have their own immediate self-interest and then they're immediately supporting corporate interests. And it isn't even like beyond the working class. It's not, it's not any of our citizens. Um, we need money to flow for our economy to work. Consumer spending is a huge, huge portion of our economy. And to, to be this blind to just think like, oh, well, people will just like stop spending and that'll be fine is ridiculous and disgusting. Yeah, um, there's obviously a lot to say. I really could rant for a long time about this, I guess. Um, I was wondering if anyone had other thoughts about like the way the stimulus bill was handled and the components within it that we have frustrations with. Hell yeah. Let's yes. rip it apart. Oh boy. <laughs> Um, I think one thing I definitely wanted to talk about um, is the role of immigration status in this bill. Um, so it is a slight improvement over the previous CARES Act. Um, this new bill allows mixed status families, so families where um, one partner is undocumented and the other is documented, um, to receive some aid which is great, but you still have to have a green card or be a U.S. citizen to be eligible for that. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of crazy to me. Like, in the initial CARES Act, if even if you were documented, if you jointly filed taxes with someone who's undocumented, you just were not eligible for any of the aid in that bill. Um, and there are at least one and a half million mixed status couples in the U.S. So the fact that these folks are now eligible for some amount of aid is a big step forward, but it is still limited. Um, this bill does also retroactively say that you can get that initial $1,200 payment now if you're in a mixed status family. Um, and this was a huge issue in places with big immigrant populations, especially in California, um, which is where I was when the first bill passed. Um, so with the first stimulus, there was just no aid provided for undocumented folks at all. Um, and there was kind of a state effort to get some money to undocumented folks. There was like a smaller um, state package that passed, but it was very limited. Um, so most people could not get it like there just wasn't enough money allocated for enough people like for there to be enough money for the amount of undocumented folks in California which is like two million people um and for example the the high school where I was working at the time we worked with a lot of immigrant families and honestly like we were really scrambling to figure out like how we could support everyone who was out of work and not getting any type of support um like trying to figure out how people could get free internet because school was moving online and all of this. Um, and people were really, really struggling and there was just like nothing provided to them. Um, so I, I do think that it's great that there's like a little something offered to immigrants in this bill, but it obviously really does not go far enough. And there's still a lot of folks being left out of this. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to talk about the CARES Act even more, but I just wanted to say in addition, like in an immigration-related uh, topic, the bill puts aside $1.4 billion for the the border wall that Trump uh, has fucking promised, and it increases military spending by 3%. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also a problem with the way that the CARES Act apportions aid to Native American tribes um, that I wanted to talk about. And this is a little bit of like bureaucratic information, but stick with me here. Um, specifically, the amount of aid that a Native American nation gets is related to its population. Um, and this is not just it's its population as it's counted in census apportionment numbers. Um, but the problem is that literally dozens of tribes are not even allotted a census tract. And for that reason, their numbers are not counted at all in calculating the aid. So the Shawnee tribe is suing the U.S. government mm -hmm. over this funding formula. And it's really illustrative of just like how badly fucked the situation is. Um, so for the Shawnee people, they, based on the number of people that they actually have, they should have gotten about four and a half million dollars in CARES Act, um, in CARES Act funds. Um, what they actually got, because they don't have a census tract, which again is like another way that the U.S. government is holding out on them, which is becoming a compounding issue. What, what they actually got was the bare minimum, which was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, another issue that I think is coming up in this bill um, is just this like sort of slow increase in the means testing that's there. So like how much they're regulating who's actually gonna be eligible. Um, for the initial 1200 in the CARES Act, um, anyone making less than about 100K was eligible for the payment. For this new $600 stimulus, um, it's only for people who make up to 75K. Um, this is based on your 2019 tax filings. So even if you, you know, were laid off, have different work circumstances in 2020, that doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, that that is like a lot of money. But I think like to me, one of the positives of the first stimulus was that it was so much easier to get than most benefits in the U.S. typically are. There weren't really a lot of like hoops you had to jump through or questions about your eligibility because it was so just like widely available to almost everyone. Um, and like, I don't know, for me personally, it's like, so if you made less than 100K and you got your tax refund through like direct deposit, um, you just got the money directly into your bank account. And I got it like the first day it was possible to get it. I had just been like laid off or furloughed essentially from my high school job because we had like closed because it was not safe to be at school. Um, and my job was only in person. So it was like very, very helpful to just immediately get this money and not have to think about like, am I going to be eligible for unemployment? Like how many weeks is it going to take for some office to process this? Um, and I think like it was surprising to me to see the U.S. government do that because there normally are so many hoops you have to jump through. And to see this like increase sort of makes me worried that like that's you know that was like a good step and now we're just going back and it's just going to get harder for people to actually access any sort of relief yeah definitely like speaking of you know accessing relief the uh, amount the Promise. i wasn't supposed to be a joke no no, no. it's like literally speaking of, of yeah, that no. exact thing yeah. um to build on what julia was saying uh <laughs> the the like in terms of unemployment the amount of unemployment that you get through this bill is like significantly lower than it was based on the first cares act so 
as Bianca mentioned up top, it was $600 additional a week um, in unemployment. It is now only $300 per week. Um, and in case anybody was like wondering or anything, um, being unemployed is actually not any easier now than it was in May 2020. But for like some reason, it's fine to give people less money now. Yeah, this makes me so fucking mad. I mean, like, I got the email from New York State because I'm on unemployment and was, like, notified of the increase of $300 a week, which, like, again, to be clear, I am deeply grateful for. But it, it's just, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's another provision that extends aid to people who are gig workers or self-employed or part-time employed, like all of those sorts of things. Um, it's worth noting that in our deeply fucked up system, they're not eligible for any unemployment, generally speaking, because technically they are employed, even if they're underemployed. But under the CARES Act, they get partial unemployment. Um, and this bill has at least extended those protections. Um, so that's like a good thing, but it's also only $100 per week, which is way too little. So again, like even the good things in this bill don't go nearly far enough. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think it's an issue that the, so this bill only extends unemployment assistance, I think until April. So it's only for a few months. I'm not sure what's going to happen after that. Um, And also it's only for people who are already getting it. So new people can't apply. So basically if you're a part-time worker who got laid off more recently, you're likely not going to be eligible for unemployment benefits now if you weren't like already receiving them. Right. And I know so many people who, when they got uh, got laid off from their jobs in the spring, they weren't able to qualify for unemployment insurance for one reason or another. So then it's like a lot of them are still unemployed and it's like, okay, well, this uh, stimulus package doesn't benefit them at all. Right. Yeah. And going back to just the issue of like how many barriers are set up to people even accessing like the aid that is being offered. I just feel like it's so fucked up that on top of not probably making a full paycheck, if you work part time or you're a gig worker, you're often denied access to all of these additional benefits like sick time and unemployment, which have become so much more important during the pandemic. And I, it's like, they should really be more available to you if you're in a more precarious working situation. It just seems like so backwards to me. Um, I am biased as a freelancer, but I just think that this is bad. No, I, I don't know. I feel like people stop needing to go to the doctor if they're part-time or work for themselves. That seems like a thing that happens, right? You just don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Counterpoint. Um, yeah, it's hot garbage. The... <laughs> Laura, if it makes you feel any better, the Wisconsin unemployment system is like even more fucked up than yours. Brandon's on it. They didn't send an email alerting that things were different. You should like make sure you're filling out your, you have to weekly, like basically swear them a blood oath that you didn't get any unpaid vacation or like all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. And so he did that. But then there's a message at the top that's like, we're still figuring things out. So we're not sure when we're going to pay people and we won't let you know when we do. And like, what's to figure out? wild yeah that is um, yeah, that's good yeah the the added waste and stress on top of like everything that everyone else has mentioned that comes with all of this just makes me so mad you have all like uncertainty unpredictability how can anyone budget how can anyone plan the time it takes you to navigate the system it's just like it's awful for people um i know for brandon it took him four months to get unemployment started here because the computer systems are too old in wisconsin apparently 
Um, so it was really backed up and he had to call every week. So he spent all of that time talking to them. And then you still have to do the jump through hoops every week, even though your answers are the same. And it seems like it could just like autofill them, but it doesn't. Right. Um, they just want to really make sure that no one gets like one single penny that they aren't tortured for. And, and that's coming from us who, you know, have a fair amount of privilege or pretty good at navigating bureaucracy, have like the two parent household with the kids. So at least somebody else can watch the kid while you do that. You know, I can't imagine for other people and I'm totally. very sure it's not in many other languages, if any. So that's all terrible. Yeah. So on the subject of just terrible shit that the, the CARES Act is doing, it has also created a way for people to pay back money that they got in error. So like maybe you got just a little too much money or you got it in a week you weren't supposed to get it. Um, you actually owe the government that money and are supposed to know that you shouldn't have spent it. But now there's a way for you to pay it back. And, you know, I will say, and to their credit, you don't have to pay it back immediately. And you can even apply to have yourself means tested by your state, who then decides if you're indigent enough that you can be taken off a payment plan. And you have the opportunity to get the repayments where you give the government back money that it gave you. Waived. Jesus. My God, so. that is so fucked. I just like, so fucked. Yeah, I hate that. <clears throat> um, it's time for one of my personal favorite segments. Uh, Laura yells about Zionism once again. Um, <laughs> you know, I the if if you aren't aware, which you know, first of all, go back and listen to our several episodes on uh, the occupation of Palestine. Um, but uh, the United States and the Israeli government uh, have a incestuous economic and military relationship uh, that is uh, deeply entwined in U.S. legislature. So here's a great example for it. In this fucking bill that we've been talking about that's supposed to give money to American people, which, like, fuck the idea of what even is Americans, but the people who live here, whatever. The answer to finding out, what, like, this situation of what, what about... Because, you know, a lot of people didn't know what was happening. And then, like, uh, uh, $500 million to Israel was trending on all the sites. So uh, the answer to who's getting paid is buried deep in the near 6,000-page document. Um, one segment reads, $500,000 shall be for the Israeli Cooperative Six Programs. Wait, you just said 500,000. Sorry, 500 million. 500 million dollars. Thank you, Kellen. Damn. That seems bigger. 500 million fucking dollars shall be for the Israeli Cooperative Six programs. A large portion of that is dedicated to missile defense systems. Ah. Wait, but is this is this like missiles full of like access to healthcare or <laughs> missiles full of cash that can go in people's pockets obviously that's that's always the type of missiles that the u.s and israel uh share with one another so 
you know, when this bill was released, social media posts stating that Israel was receiving coronavirus stimulus money sparked outrage, obviously, especially since average people who live in the United States will only be getting $600, possibly now $2,000, but still, maybe not. And also still, fuck off with your, like, if you're going to be like, we can't reach a trillion dollars, but then here we go, 500 million of it is going to Israel. Okay. Even among U.S. House of Representatives, this wasn't a popular decision. The Democrat version of the bill put aside $225 million of for humanitarian assistance in West Bank and Gaza with the option that the funding could be directed to the UN Relief and Works Agency. Um, which, again, this is not like... I, I per- this is like the lib argument, right? Like, I don't give a fuck because they're still giving money and weapons to Israel. Um, you're just giving less to Palestinians and it probably will be mishandled. Um, but this was what uh, was in the bill. But then after passing through a Republican majority Senate, the final bill saw that the amount was reduced by $150 million to only $75 million with no appropriations for the UN Relief and Works Agency. And in what many can only find deeply ironic, the COVID-19 relief bill earmarks $250 million to be split over five years to promoting cooperation between Israel and Palestine after contributing towards Israeli armament with double that amount. The bill saw widespread approval from all major Zionist American lobby groups in the United States, no fucking surprise, including APAC, J Street, the Anti-Defamation League, Americans for Peace Now, Jewish Federations of North America, and the American Jewish Committee. Um, and just briefly, if you aren't aware, these... Uh, organizations and in particular APAC are a deeply related to incarceration in the United States and b deeply related to all foreign policy uh, that happens in the United States and they are one of the most powerful lobbies that affect our legislature um so AOC also tweeted that the House of Representatives received the five thousand plus document to read only hours before the vote so this was a huge bill and people just simply did not have the time to actually comb through it before they were voting on it so that's my rant about uh that foreign policy fuck up but we have just you know another one to add to it um, so there's money for a coup in Venezuela, um, and I say that with such frankness because of how it is, and we'll we'll uh, I'm just gonna read directly from the bill here because then we'll kind of we'll kind of dissect it after. Uh, Venezuela. Of the funds appropriated by this act under the heading Economic Support Fund, not less than thirty three million dollars should be shall be made available for democracy programs in Venezuela. Funds appropriated under Title III of this act and prior acts making appropriations for the Department of State, foreign operations, and related programs shall be 
made available for assistance for communities in countries supporting or otherwise impacted by refugees from Venezuela, including Colombia, Peru, Ecuador, Curacao, and Trinidad and Tobago. Um, so two things. Number one, any fucking time that the United States government writes about uh, democracy programs, they are talking about putting someone in the head of state who ca- is amenable to the will of the U.S. government. And secondly, um, when we're talking about appropriations for the Department of State, that is often, again, talking about funds for the CIA. Because those two things in this context uh, are like one is used as a euphemism for the other. (sighs) And then also, I just need to say that this bill has a provision of the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama, and it also makes illegal streaming a felony. So. (laughs) Wait, the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama? Yes. Yeah, I can pull up the whole thing, but it was. Oh my gosh, floating I did not know while, that. But it's, it's, it's something. It's something. Well, something I never understood was why this relief bill, like so many other bills, had to have so many different, like, variegated provisions in it. Like all the things that you just mentioned, Laura, like were included in the bill. Like along with the unemployment insurance extension, right. along with the stimulus check, like there were like a lot, there were a lot of good-ish provisions, albeit less than what people need and deserve. But because they were all wrapped up in this one bill, any hesitation or slowdown due to just one provision affected all of the other ones. Um, and so I think this was like why it took so long to pass because people were just like nitpicking small, well not small, but like a single provision in this like huge bill. And meanwhile, like, people are like in need. And so of course I have very little knowledge about like the inner workings of Congress or whatever, but for me, I just feel like the stimulus checks should have been just been its one thing, like its own thing, like just one clean bill that discussed only the stimulus check that they voted on. I feel like that would have been better. Yeah, I totally agree. I do not, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of like arcane legal reason why this is the way it's done, but that someone will probably like subtweet us about. But yeah, I have no idea why. Like, this is the way it has to be done. (laughs) If you know the answer, you can subtweet us. I'm curious. I'm not saying that like Um, they did it wrong. I just like don't know why. (laughs) I mean, I feel like regardless of the reasoning, it's still bad. But I don't know. Also, just going back to what you were saying, Laura, about AOC, I feel like I do really like that she's kind of been calling attention to just like how long these bills are and how there's literally not time to read it. Because Mm -hmm. like, I didn't necessarily think like, I didn't think that members of Congress actually read these bills, but I did assume that like, (laughs) well, right. I don't think most of them do, but I would think that at least, you know, like a staff member has to read it. But it's like, if you get a 5,000 page bill and there's a few hours for the vote, like literally you cannot actually read read that. So it's just like what, it's such a weird pretense of like, I guess presumably ever almost everyone just votes with their party, but it's like you literally couldn't even know everything that's in this bill, even if you wanted to. Like <laughs> there just was not time. Um, anyway, so for a brief moment, we wanted to turn to the few good parts of this shit show. Um, the main thing I want to say is just like I am excited to get six hundred dollars. I yeah. wish it was two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, but like six hundred dollars is a lot of money to me right now, and I feel like yeah. we should just celebrate the government giving us money 
even though it should be much more right yeah like just you know this is like we're clutching at straws here but like i i personally do feel grateful for that Mm -hmm. um and i still do think it's good that you don't have to apply for it um as we sort of hinted at before the application system for things like food stamps and unemployment are just so difficult and confusing and I mean, a huge barrier for me, I feel like I assume they are for most people. Um, there's just like all these questions about whether or not you're even eligible and all the stuff you have to fill out and it takes forever for it to be processed. Um, so that just seems like one small good thing, like maybe people will get a little bit more used to the idea that we shouldn't have to do all this work to get the bare minimum of benefits from our government. And that could possibly create like a little bit of political will where people are like, yeah, we should just like get $600 now and then. Like, why should we have to apply for this? Yeah, exactly. Well, I just remember also being surprised a little bit, as you were saying earlier, like when the money just like deposited into my account. Yeah, I was like, fuck yes. I was like, okay, (laughs) like, sure, no complaints, but like what? But I remember like, by comparison, getting unemployment insurance at the same time was such a, like, it was like a mess for me because like, like for me it worked out it was like a long process but I think getting UI also uh, relies on your employer being cooperative as well so I was like lucky in that Mm -hmm. like when I got furloughed laid off this weird nebulous thing my boss was like okay when you file for unemployment we are going to fill out the requisite form so that the state knows you were laid off because of COVID so that made me aware of like oh like your employer also has to like vouch for you which is like weird um but I know people who are like contractors freelancers as you were saying earlier Julia who didn't qualify for unemployment insurance. And then also others who, um, who like their bosses just like didn't do their part or whatever. And so they never ended up qualifying for UI because of that. And so like, it was nice that like, oh, I, the stimulus just deposits into your account. That's cool. I think yeah. with, the, with the PPP money too, that put people in a bad spot timing wise because employers had to hold on to employees um, at the time in order to get have the money forgiven. And so they held on to people and tried to keep their jobs around, which was good. But then it made it tougher for people to hit the right window of like when to apply for unemployment. Can you still prove that it's COVID related? And like where they hit things in terms of like now the second stimulus. So that just like created a lot of complications. And it wasn't enough money to sustain jobs for the amount of time we've had things shut down. Yeah, totally. I mean, really, I feel like this is like a small good thing about the $600. That's really like a massive bad thing about every other form of pandemic yeah, aid. I'm sorry, Julia, I forgot. I forgot we were trying to focus on silver linings. My bad. No, I mean, I was just like <laughs> I can't looking do ahead it. to what else I'm planning to talk about. And like, yeah, this is just like garbage. But yeah, I mean, the other thing I was going to say is just like, comparing like get just instantly getting $1,200 in your bank account to like looking at how every other type of pandemic assistance has gone. Um, I was just thinking about like rent relief, for example, um, and even like now looking at vaccine distribution and how like fucked that has been. It's just like even the aid that's allotted has not even gotten to most people. I think as of last month in New York, for example, there were $60 million in rent relief that just didn't actually get to anyone. It was just like sitting unspent um, and people who needed help paying rent weren't getting it. Um, And I think like a lot of state and local governments will just claim like this is because not enough people were eligible or they didn't apply correctly or just that it's taking them time to distribute resources. 
But I also feel like we've seen during this pandemic that sometimes when there is enough pressure, the government just magically finds a way to get shit done. They like find the money to get hotel rooms yeah. to put unhoused people in. Like, so when the pressure is there, they're able to do this shit quickly. But then when they don't really feel that political pressure, it's like, oh, we just can't do anything. Sorry, we just like can't give you this money that we said we would give you. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it's just like it's all a mess. I feel like it's interesting that sort of this one thing has become a symbol, I think, especially for the Republicans of like, we got you $600, so kind of just like, shut up. Mm. But meanwhile, all this other aid isn't really getting to people even when it's being allotted. Yeah, speaking of that, I was just reading that Governor Cuomo has been slower to roll out the vaccine in New York than have the state governments in Vermont, West Virginia, and Florida. Which I was like, okay, I didn't, I like, didn't know that. I was like, okay, that's terrible as someone who lives in New York, as someone who like knows how terrible it is here COVID wise. But I think like the bar for like vaccine rollout rate, like that bar is like so low because the rate we're going nationally right. in terms of how many vaccines we're administering per day is going to take like 10 years for everyone to be vaccinated. So like there are reports of mishandlings of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of vaccines. And it's just confusing to me because it's like, I don't understand why like, they don't feel, I don't know, like, this seems like it's the thing that would be, like, uh, the top priority for everyone right now, like, vaccination. And, like, it just really frustrates me that even when that pressure is there, there's still a lot of, like, inaction totally. or, like, lack of guidance from the elected officials. Disturbingly, in my parenting, like, mom circles, there's a large overlap of anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers, which is, uh. I'm like, what do you, how do you think this is going to work? <laughs> yeah, that's... There, and they, <laughs> yeah, they're the same ones who are protesting when we close things down. So I don't Ugh. understand that. Um, so we kind of wanted to talk a bit about how uh, the relief has been different in the United States than other countries. <clears throat> so I wanted to start with just a few statistics in terms of percent of GDP, uh, which, if you don't know, is the way that we all like we all meaning uh the people who make the rules uh essentially tell you how well your country's doing anyway um so the u.s has spent about 18.3 percent of its overall gdp on covid relief uh japan has spent about 42 percent of its gdp uh France, though, for example, and some other European countries have spent less than the United States at 16% of its GDP. I've been repeating stats like these and even just the amounts of like monthly money that governments are giving their citizens to my family and friends here who are like, oh, we can't afford another stimulus package. And everyone is really shocked what other countries are doing. And I find that so disheartening. Like, yeah. like I don't yeah. I've been watching, we've all been watching things change and get worse in our country, but like the fact that they honestly can't fathom a world where like the your government cares when most of its citizens are in soul crushing poverty and about to have nowhere to live is sad, really yeah. sad to me. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and, you know, while these statistics show how much financial weight each country has thrown be behind its relief measure measures, it can't show how effective that relief is and has been in stabilizing each economy. 
So in the United States, for example, the national poverty rate has risen faster than ever, due in part to lapses in economic relief after certain CARES Act provisions expired, um, you know, in addition to the fact that we don't have universal health care, um, we don't have provisions for um, housing and and, you know, all of the other things that we've talked about. Many European countries, meanwhile, had existing safety, uh, social safety nets set up well before the pandemic that helped cushion the blow for many affected residents. Yeah, um, I just wanted to just jump in real quick yeah. here, Laura, and like there's a thing that I, I've i seen going around on like Twitter and Instagram that's like how many people in X country lost their job be- or sorry, lost their um, health care coverage because of COVID. And it's like France, zero, Great Britain, zero, Australia, you know, like all the way down zeros. And then the United States is like 14 million. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like deeply, deeply, deeply fucked. Um, so I also wanted to kind of differentiate uh, what types of economic relief initiatives happened in four different countries. In the United States, uh, we got cash payments to qualifying individuals, forgivable loans to small businesses, not people, small businesses, enhanced unemployment benefits, and two weeks of paid sick leave due to COVID-19. But... When I had a COVID scare, my roommate had to call in to work because he didn't want to jeopardize anyone at his workplace because I was exhibiting symptoms, had a high fever, went and got tested, didn't see results for three days, came back inconclusive, had to go back for another test and didn't come back for three days and it ended up being negative. But because my test was negative, my roommate... Uh, who had to take that whole week off of work did not qualify under this because I didn't test positive. Um, So again, we have all these like fucking loopholes that like, yeah, you can have this leave, but there's so many other reasons why people will have to take off because of the way this virus is. Um, So in France, they expanded health insurance for the sick or their caregivers, extended unemployment benefits, postponed rent and utility payments uh, for affected small businesses. In Slovenia, uh, they had basic uh, monthly basic income for families, tax deferrals for 24 months, financial support for workers in quarantine, and parents affected by school quarantine. In Japan, they had cash payments to every individual and affected firms, deferral of social security contributions, incentives for firms to invest in digitalization and green technologies. So Japan's was more capitalistic, but Slovenia, France, they're doing some shit. So these differences are what um, economists call automatic stabilizers. So... Uh, The discretionary response is technically very large in the United States, but when you're comparing what you need to take into account, that actually more needs to be done in the United States because the social safety nets are um, so much smaller. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So obviously we're seeing the second wave rear its head in the United States. Um, Nations across Europe are facing a major surge in new infections too, as is Canada. 
But unlike their economic peers, elected leaders in our grand old United States have left citizens to face the current crisis without any additional financial cushion. Um, Obviously, like now we're seeing that this is now happening, but it's coming at a much later time. So, you know, countries all across Canada or all across (laughs) Europe and Canada have uh, increased their benefits through this time as numbers began to rise again. Um, and also, uh, European countries imposed much stricter health measure, health measures to curb the latest spike in infections, including widespread stay-at-home orders, which, surprise, surprise, cases have begun to decline across the European Uni- Union overall. But in the United States, infections, hospitalizations, and deaths are still hitting new highs amid all of these jumbles of rules that vary from state to state and city to city. And everyone is losing their minds at each other for not following whatever rules feel safe from whatever slew of misinformation we're fed every day. Um, So it's just an absolute shit show. Uh, and I, I did want to end by saying that I just want to clarify that the Senate should not exist. Um, and having, uh, a, a government that is, is like, so that each state has, uh, equal representation, um, like, I don't think any longer makes sense and really creates, uh, this, like like it skews it skews um what it seems like the people of a given place want um if that makes sense (laughs) i was trying to think of a way to seamlessly transition to the outro if that was going to be the end (laughs) but i couldn't think of one on time that's okay it doesn't need to seamless, seamless transition to the outro <laughs> oh, exactly all right cool so that was our episode uh thank you so much for listening as always you can find us on twitter and instagram at season of the bee you can join our patreon where we meet bi-weekly for an incredible reading group that we mention every week just because it's so great, and we have to shout them out every week. Um, <laughs> it's, but, it's what dreams are made of, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bitch. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Um, and, I mean, we've been saying this for a while, but now we're on Spotify, so that's also cool. Um, and you can finally send us an email at seasonofthebeat at gmail.com if you dare try to top the one that was uh, read on air last week. <laughs> consider it a challenge yeah, um <laughs> if if you know why omnibus bills are a thing you can send us an email yes i will read those i did solicit that question so that is the next challenge for you all um cool love you love you, love you. Bye. 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 season of the bitch <laughs>